Hello, and welcome to For the Love of the Games podcast. I am your host, Chris Dennis Myers, and we are on the board, guys. So get excited. We are officially third in the gold medal count, but second overall. And I've got a packed episode. I will save the spoilers for the end. Other than the medal count, though, you don't know what events those were for. So I don't really feel like that's a spoiler. NBC likes to pretend like it is, but there's so many things going on that I don't know anybody that would know exactly what medals those were. Um, so <clears throat> we're going to go through a couple correction, well, a correction and an omission from last time, some new COVID cases, some non-spoiler recaps, either things that were aired live in primetime or things that just things that aren't spoilers. And then we'll go over what's going to happen overnight tonight. And then at the very end, I will do the recaps that are spoilers so that if you don't want to hear those, you can end your listening experience early, come back to it later if you want or not. So, um, but first I do want to say welcome to uh, our, any new listeners. I know Cafeteria Christian listeners are being sent over. So welcome and thank you for joining me. And I hope you enjoy the podcast and I hope you stick around even after the games, I've got some really cool stuff coming up. I'm, I'm finalizing some interview dates with some athletes, so that'll be really fun as well. And, and then just a short six months later, boom, winter Olympics. So like I said, I hope you stick around. Um, okay. So corrections from last time, the first one, the really, the only correction is I kept saying Alex Yoder. I don't know why I did that because I know who Alec Yoder is. His name is Alec, like Baldwin. Um, so just FYI, I messed that up. I also didn't mention Kohei Uchimura not qualifying in the high bar final, which I don't typically spend a lot of time on non-American athletes just because the American athletes are the ones that I follow most closely, but I do want to give him a nod. He is a high bar specialist. He's incredible on the high bar. He fell in the qualifying and didn't end up qualifying. And it's just, it's just really sad, especially for a Japanese athlete to fall at home at his home Olympics, you know, gym gymnasts. Well, most Olympic athletes dream their whole lives of going to the Olympics and you can't predict where they're going to be when you peak. And for them to be at home is such an exciting thing. And, and for him to not make that final is, it's pretty devastating. New COVID case, Brian DeChambeau, a, an American golfer did test positive. The timing was pretty interesting because we were able to replace him with Patrick Reed. Basically Patrick Reed got the phone call, hopped on a plane immediately got to Tokyo. They have to quarantine for three days. That's the protocol that the IOC has put in place. I don't know why three days, but that is what they went with. And men's golf starts Wednesday. So just the timing of it, basically his quarantine ends right as competition begins. So it was just kind of luck, sheer luck that the timing was such that we were able to replace him. John Rahm of Spain had to withdraw as well for a COVID positive test, but because he, it was like 12 hours later and they were not able to replace him because that three day quarantine includes the first day of competition. So 
Um, so Spain will only have one male golfer representing them. John Rahm is actually the number one ranked golfer in the world too. So he was favored golf is a little unpredictable. It's a lot unpredictable, but he, he is the world number one. So he was uh, not unlikely to get, to get a medal. So that's pretty unfortunate. Um, we did have an event have to be fully canceled. A Czech beach volleyball player tested positive. And again, they couldn't replace him in time. So, um, so that event was canceled and now I have forgotten what team it was, but they got a buy and anyone else in that pool. I said, he, she was in the women's beach volley, but, um, anyone else in the pool with them is credited with a win. So that, that pool will be more likely obviously to advance because there's one fewer group in their pool (laughs) and he, she, sorry, that athlete was connected to the charter flight from Czechia to Tokyo. So that athlete, there were, I think four or five athletes that were on that plane that have since tested positive. And there is a growing concern that everyone on that plane will end up testing positive or, or yeah. So it was like a huge chunk of the Czech team was on that same flight. So again, not great, not great. Um, There was also a Dutch rower whose name escapes me as well, who is the first Olympian to test positive after competing. So there's also a growing concern that some of the other rowers who were in that competition, obviously rowing is one of the sports that's probably the most safe because of just the layout of how that competition works. You're pretty far away from other rowers, unless you are doing like double skulls or something where you have more than one rower in the same boat. Um, but still, you know, getting off at the docks and (laughs) loading up all that kind of stuff. There is some concern that there will be other athletes connected to her that will go on to test positive. And of course they're all staying at the village. It's, it's all just very complicated. Not a lot of general Olympic news today. I just primetime coverage last night was obviously the first primetime coverage of competition. Um, you know, they had the opening ceremonies first, but last night was the first night of competition. It was really nice. They did show a lot of stuff live, which I guess I should have anticipated, but I, I just kind of forgot because it's been a while. So, um, yeah, it was nice to see a bunch of stuff live, even though they are 13 hours ahead of where I live, it works out to be in prime time. Some, some of the morning events are in prime time. So that was great. Some of the stuff that was in prime time was women's beach volleyball. That's Ross Kleinman, which I kept saying Kleinman, which I have heard people say before, but they said Kleinman. So I'm going to assume it's Kleinman. And that is the same team that I told you yesterday, the beach volleyball naming convention is very strange. Sometimes they'll use first names, sometimes last names and their um, bikini tops do say their first names on the back, but NBC was referring to them by last name. So it's just, again, like beach volleyball is kind of a little less, they, they do this frequently. I don't know 
why beach volleyball is that way. But so if you see April slash Alex, that is Ross Kleinman. Um, they beat the Chinese team in two sets, which is great. They did have a kind of rough patch in the middle of the second set, but pulled it together and they are favored to be in the gold medal match. It's sort of between them and the Canadian team who will come home with, with the win. It's they're pretty evenly matched, but they are the two best teams in the world. So, and this Chinese team, there was a, there is a woman on that team sway who has played April Ross a number of times and they, they have a split record as well. It's like they're eight and eight against each other, but ultimately April and Alex or Ross Kleiman, if you will, did come away with the W there, which is great. And then they played a bunch of swimming in primetime, which I, like I said, I should have anticipated. They always play some, but I kind of didn't expect anything from, I didn't expect anything to be live. So Michael Phelps was a commentator, which was really bizarre. It's very strange to have people that I remember competing (laughs) as a person. It just makes you feel really old to have like these people that you followed their whole careers now be the commentary staff. And I felt the same way about Tony Hawk, who obviously was never an Olympian skateboarding is a new event, but to have Tony Hawk, like in the commentary, it's just very strange, (laughs) makes you feel really old. Um, but anyway, Michael Phelps did a pretty good job, but he kept calling the female swimmers girls, which I don't love. Um, some of the swimmers, a few are teenagers, but there's a significant number of older swimmers that he called them all girls and did not love that. So hopefully someone will say something to him about that at NBC. They played the men's 400 meter IM and that was a great race. That is a, that is actually Michael Phelps. Like he still holds the world record. I think that's the only world record he still holds, but Chase Kalish and Jay Litherland ended up finishing first and second there, which was great. Those were among the first medals of the games and just a really exciting moment because I think Jay Litherland was a bit of a surprise. Kalish, I think people kind of expected to, to do really well, but Litherland coming in second and they're friends and they hugged and it was really cute. The after interview though, Chase Kalish looked super dazed and confused. And I mean, there was a moment where they played like they, they piped his mom in live and she's like, I'm so proud of you. And he was like, I can't see, I can't hear a single word they're saying which was fine, but he just looked really out of it. And like, he said he was in pain and had to sit down. So I'm hoping he's okay. I have not read anything to suggest that he's not okay, but it was a little startling, but you know, he did just swim like a very hard, quick 400 meters. So hopefully it was just that he'll get some water, take some deep breaths and and be all right. Um, the same event on the women's side also happened last night and Emma Wyant finished a personal vest for silver and, um, Flickinger finished third for bronze. 
that's what that means. Third for, <laughs> for bronze. And then Japanese swimmer Yui Ohashi finished in gold and um, not a total surprise, but you do always expect if, if a Japanese athlete is in the mix, expect them to do even better than they normally would, just because that's always going to be the case at the Olympics when they're in your country. And part of that is the crowd, which is a non-factor this time. I mean, there, there are a few spectators, like they have had dignitaries. Jill Biden, I know has been Dr. Jill Biden, I'm sorry, has been at a couple events and again, like Japanese dignitaries as well. But for the most part, the crowd is not really as much of a factor, but the time zones are. So even these American athletes, typically before the games, athletes will fly into the country a couple weeks early, but just Japan due to the pandemic did not allow that. So athletes were really flying in just a couple days before the games and then quarantining for three days and then starting training. So being at home is a huge advantage. Um, again, always a huge advantage, but in this games, it's kind of like way more of an advantage on the time zone side, because there's less of the time to get over that jet lag, but less of a advantage on the crowd side. So we're going to kind of follow that and see what, how that ends up shaking out. But I, I would still expect the Japanese delegation to do better than they normally would just because they are at home. And that's always the case. Anyway, in the 400 meter freestyle, Kieran Smith placed third. Um, but the gold medalist is really the story here. It was a Tunisian named Amen Hafnawi. Yeah, Hafnawi. He qualified in eighth place. So the way swimming lanes work, they put the highest qualifiers in the middle. So they're all kind of bunched together and it makes for a better picture when they show the overhead view of the pool. So you'll have like your middle three, four lanes be usually the ones in contention. Well, he was in the eighth lane because he qualified in eighth place. You don't see that a ton. Um, and he also almost didn't make it to the final. He was a couple tenths out of ninth place, which would have meant he hadn't qualified at all. Um, and this is Tunisia's 15th ever Olympic medal. And it was a gold medal. So it was kind of exciting to watch too. I always root for Team USA, obviously, but you got to love a story like that and to see him. And <laughs> it reminded me of there's um, an author named John Green who landed in Iceland and he said the streets were dead. There was like no one out and about and he couldn't figure it out. And he was walking around and all of a sudden there was like from everywhere, a, an incredibly loud scream and people just rushed into the streets and he's standing there. He had just gotten out of the airport and was like in Reykjavik, I think. And he was like, pulling his suitcase and he's like what happened and they had won their first ever gold medal in an olympics it was in handball i believe and he was like oh and he's like they were like you didn't watch it you didn't watch it and he said no i i i'm an american i don't i i'm not from here and the this guy turned to him and said oh you must feel like this all the time 
(laughs) I love that story so much. It's like one of my favorite anecdotes about the Olympics is just like how much more it means when it's rare. So anyway, (laughs) Tunisia hopefully had a really great celebration for that swimmer. I also, when Simone Manuel was announced as the anchor for the four by 100, I yelped. Like I had like an audible, like yes, scream in my house. I love her. I've talked about her on the podcast before. She is a black swimmer who has done a lot of work to increase equity in the swimming pool. There is still an extraordinary amount of racial disparity in swimming in all things, but swimming is one where, you know, it wasn't too long ago that they were draining swimming pools. If they had found out that, you know, black swimmers had been in the pool. So there is a huge disparity in the number of athletes in the pool, in elite swimming, but also even just on down to swim safety and her big like pet cause is making sure that children learn how to swim. Um, drowning is a significant risk for children and that risk is even higher for black children. So she's done a lot of work. She's, she's works with, um, YMCAs, especially in like city centers where you might not necessarily have a neighborhood pool where you learn to, to swim and her work there has been incredible. And she's really spoken quite openly about how difficult it was at times to look around and not see anyone that looked like her. So anyway, (laughs) I love her anyway, but then she had a very difficult trials. She is the reigning individual 100 meter, um, gold medalist from Rio, but at trials, she didn't even make the final in that event. She had been diagnosed with overtraining syndrome, and they will talk about this on the broadcast when she gets to the event she did qualify for. It's just one of those stories that they have decided that that's like her defining story, but she was diagnosed with overtraining syndrome in like April and had to take three weeks out of the pool and trials were in June. So you can imagine (laughs) that was not exactly what she had pictured for those three weeks for that month and a half. So she got really behind in her training and she again, did not even qualify for the finals in the 100 meter individual, individual freestyle race, but she did qualify for the 50 meter individual race. So when they announced that she would still be anchoring the four by 100, I was really excited. They gave her that chance just because typically with these relays, they pick the top four finishers at trials but knowing that her trials performance wasn't really indicative of how quickly she could swim that they kept her, which was not only a good strategy, but it's also just really heartwarming because we love her. (laughs) So anyway, that's why I screamed. (laughs) I was very excited to hear that she got to anchor that relay. Um, And they ended up placing third, barely outtouched by the Canadian team and a little upsetting, (laughs) but the Australian team, was expected to win gold. There was really no chance the U S team was going to take the, take the gold there. They actually crushed the field in world record time. So, so yeah, there was not really a a conversation around getting the gold medal, but that Canadian team really 
came in at the last second there. So, um, men's indoor volleyball beat France in three straight sets, which is exciting too. Um, yeah, so that's pretty much what happened that was that was in prime time or that has occurred in is not a spoiler. So I'm going to go over like the things that are happening overnight tonight. And, and then we will get to the spoiler stuff. <laughs> so I have a lot to say about that women's gymnastics qualifying. Um, so tonight, a lot more swim finals, including the very much hyped, very much. It will be in prime time. It, they're going to talk about this a lot. <laughs> the women's 400 meter freestyle. That is Katie Ludecki's uh, first medal opportunity. And she is racing. Well, she's racing against obviously a whole field, but there is an Australian swimmer, Ariane Titmus, who it's going to be very close <laughs> and it's really anyone's guess, which of those two is going to come home with the gold medal there because it's really, they've been back and forth. And it's always funny because Titmus is a person who grew up watching Ledecky. <laughs> so she's like the new guard. I believe she's 17 where Ledecky is like 24. So it's just like a different, I hate to say generation because that's not that much of an age gap and they are both Gen Z, but in Olympic years, <laughs> that's a generation. So it is kind of, it is kind of cool to like race against your hero and have a shot at beating them, but team Ledecky forever. <laughs> Ledecky is one of my favorite Olympians. So um, hopefully she can, hopefully she can take home that gold medal. Taekwondo is happening tonight or continuing tonight. Um, our representative tonight is Paige McPherson and her Instagram handle is AKA McPherce. They call her McPherce. So gotta love that. Gotta love her. Men's volleyball is going to play Russia, um, which it's not technically Russia. It's the Russian Olympic committee, but like, I just have to roll my eyes at that. They are playing Russian athletes. They're playing Russia. Men's water polo is set to play China. The men's gymnastics team final is tonight as well. I would expect a fourth or fifth place finish. A medal would be a huge upset. Um, the medal contenders are Japan. Again, expect them. I would expect them to, they finished first in qualifying, but also they're again at home. So Japan, Russia and China are your top three contenders there fourth or fifth with great Britain. So great, great Britain and, and the U S should be four and five. Um, the U S is set to play Japan in softball. You'll get a first look at the other U S women's beach volleyball team. I'm just like about to admit some of those words, women's beach volleyball. Clays and Sponsel, um, they're playing Latvia. That should not be a problem, but I've, you know, anything can happen. <laughs> I hate to like sound authoritative, um, but that should not be a problem. The men's, our men's middleweight boxer, Troy Isley will be competing tonight. The men's canoe slalom C1. If you remember that from yesterday, C1 is one person in a canoe. Canoe slalom includes kayak slalom and canoe slalom under the umbrella of canoe slalom is very confusing, but C1 <laughs> is canoe slalom. And our athlete there is Zachary Bug Locken. 
our women's three X three team. And yes, that is what, how you say that three X three, um, our women's three X three team plays China men's synchronized 10 meter platform diving is tonight as well. In fencing, we have women's saber and men's foil. We do have full teams in fencing this year, which is really exciting. We have three representatives in each discipline for each gender, um, as well as a team, which in order to have a team, you have to have qualified three athletes for each for that discipline. So like we have a women's saber team and it's consists of the three individuals who compete plus an alternate. Um, our men's rugby team plays both Kenya and Ireland. So double header tonight, men's archery. If you've been listening, or if you know anything about archery, the first thing to know is the South Koreans are better at it than everyone else. So, so I would expect the men's archery to not be any different. They will probably take home a bunch of hardware skeet shooting for both men and women are tonight. Women's skateboarding street final is tonight. Last night was the men's and it was really cool to watch their Olympic debut. And also again, Tony Hawk (laughs) being, being the old man watching over and, and explaining the sport was kind of interesting. Surfing begins and just by luck of the draw hour two men's surfers are matched up against each other. So that's John, John Florence who was suffering an injury. And I believe he chose not to treat it so that he could compete. Uh, he's got like a knee situation happening. I'm not exactly sure. He doesn't like to talk about it because, because he decided to continue to compete. So John, John Florence and Kolohe and Dino are competing against each other. And then our female surfers are Caroline Marks and Carissa Moore. And they're matched up against, um, Japan and Peru respectively. And those, this is surfing's Olympic debut. So it's it's pretty exciting. It is like, I mentioned this yesterday, but surfers are a little concerned that surfing is going to look a little lame at these Olympics because typically you would surf in the winter. (laughs) You don't really, not in the winter, but you don't really go to surf in the dead of summer, the waves aren't usually as good, but I did see on primetime last night that they're expecting some like tropical weather and the surfers are a little bit excited about that, which is maybe not the best thing to say in the world, but they think that will help them get bigger, bigger waves. So, um, but they have actually rescheduled a bunch of rowing and sailing to be earlier in order to get them finished before the weather shows up. So we'll see what happens with that. We may have, we may have some interesting weather patterns that affect a lot of these outdoor sports. And that is what's happening overnight tonight. And everything from now until the end of the episode are going to be spoilers. If you have not yet watched primetime on July 25th, which is Sunday. So fair warning, we're going to start talking about women's artistic gymnastics qualifying. And here's what I'll say first, the U S looked a hot mess and I'm hoping it's just Olympic nerves and that they got their nerves out and things will kind of settle down for actual competition. I mean, qualifying is a competition, but there was never any risk of not qualifying 
hold on, let me turn off my Facebook notifications. <laughs> um, sorry about that. I um, am trying not to edit too much. I have actually been editing a little tiny bit, but again, it is after six and I'm going to be watching primetime in an hour and a half. So just the editing time isn't there. So tonight I don't know that I have time to edit at all. So maybe we'll see that Facebook noise is probably still in the episode. So enjoy it. <laughs> Sorry if you checked your phone immediately when you heard it anyway. Um, so the U S looked a hot mess. Russia actually qualified first, which is a shock. Basically the U S gymnastics wise could field three separate teams and would still be expected to finish gold, silver, and bronze trials for a lot of these athletes is a significantly harder competition than the Olympics, just in terms of who like the, the difficulty of your opponent's routines. It's just, it's, it's a non-contest. Um, and you know, we talk a lot about Simone Biles being the best in the world and she is, and that's not a question. She's the greatest of all time. But the other girls are also incredibly, incredibly good. And with a few exceptions, there's just not a whole lot of competition for any of the medals, really. So anyway, um, they did put together some good routines. And it was really, it was only a 1.5 point difference between the U.S. and Russia. Okay. Sorry. I had to pause my recording and now I don't know exactly where it was. Like I said, I don't have time to edit these and I'm really sorry anyway, but yeah, it was only, only a 1.5 point difference, which is a lot in gymnastics typically, but I would not, I, <laughs> when you, the U S looked as bad as it did with as many falls as we had as many issues as we had and to still turn around and be within two points of the next of, of the first place team and and qualify second, I should add, we're gonna be fine. So men's final team final is tonight, and then women's team final is Monday night. So I that is one that I will watch live. I think it's actually Monday morning at 6 a.m. No not Monday morning, Tuesday morning, but overnight Monday. <laughs> it's very hard to keep track of all these time zones. It's like, I'm trying to do my best to be awake. I was awake at four o'clock in the morning yesterday because I had to watch this live because everything gets ruined for me because I follow all these gymnasts on Instagram. <laughs> but um, here's the drama. Okay. Well, first of all, let me just kind of give the overview. Simone Biles qualified for all the individual events. So that's all four individual apparatus vault beam bars floor, but also she qualified for the all around final. None of that is surprising except for the bars final. She really is not a bars worker, but, but she, she can do it. She does have an Olympic level bars routine. It's just, she's not going to win a medal there. She's unlikely to win a medal there barring some kind of disaster. So that's Simone Biles. Suni Lee qualified on the all around bars and beam. And then Jade Carey qualified on the floor and on the vault. So three gymnasts there did not qualify for any individual events. Michaela Skinner, who I have talked at length 
about her in a previous episode, but she did not qualify for the team. She went as a specialist. All the girls on the team will go home with a gold medal from the team final, but she went as an individual. So she will not get that medal. And actually her Olympics is done because she did not make an event final. I'll come back to her. There's drama there, (laughs) but um, Jordan Childs, who has been the most consistent gymnast, like number one, most consistent, even more consistent than Simone Biles all season. Her routines aren't as difficult, but she has not fallen off an apparatus at all this season until last night she fell or she didn't fall off the bars, but she dragged her feet on the floor, which is a huge, huge, huge deduction. It's the same as it's, um, is it the same as a fall? I'll have to look that up. I will tell you at the top of next episode, um, because that's going to bother me and I need to know also. And she also fell off the beam, just a really hard night for her. It was really hard to watch because she, she had been a very inconsistent gymnast prior to really up until the end of the 2019 season. And she really has straightened out the mental stuff in such a way it's been really impressive to watch her this season because I've never seen that big of a turnaround that quickly. Um, and just truly no big errors the entire season. So for her to have these two huge errors is heartbreaking. Um, she probably would have made the bars final over Simone if she had, put the routine together. And of course that got in her head and the, and beam was next and she fell off on beam probably as a result of that. Grace McCallum, who is on the team and is rock solid. Um, she, she had some consistency issues earlier in the season, but she had a, she had a small injury, which has since healed all four of her scores counted. So the way that the qualifications worked, all four gymnasts on the team, plus the two individuals do the entire, do all four apparatus for the team for qualifying the top three scores count. Only one gymnast had, well, actually, I'm sorry. Two gymnasts had all four scores count. One is Simone Biles. The other is, uh, is, is Grace McCallum, but she didn't do any she did very solid as very solid performance, but she didn't do any standout performance. So she didn't make a, an individual final either, but again, she will go home with a gold medal from the team final. And then yeah, Michaela Skinner, she, <laughs> the drama here is that Michaela's fans really thought she should have been on the team. They did not put her on the team because she is really not an all around gymnast. She put together four very solid routines last night. And I, was impressed honestly, but she did the best she could do. And Jade Carey outscored her on her two best events, vault and floor. The U S had the opportunity to take the four team members plus two specialists. One of those specialist spots was already Jade Carey's. It was, it belonged to Jade Carey. It was called a nominative spot. So if Jade Carey ended up on the team for some reason or ill, they did not get to replace that athlete. It belonged to someone else. So they were already taking a vault floor specialist, and then they decided to take Michaela Skinner in the second specialist spot. Michaela Skinner is also a vault floor specialist, and 
there was always going to be a strong chance that one of those two didn't make any event finals or basically whichever one of the two, because Simone Biles was going to make vault and floor finals. The other spot was going to go to either Jade Carey or Michaela Skinner. There was some hope that, you know, Michaela would make the vault final and Jade Carey would make the floor final. And then everyone would get a chance to get a medal, but it didn't work out that way. Jade Carey had an incredible night. Jade Carey actually, honestly, she looked like she should have been on the team with the scores that she had just an incredible night. She had a very low beam score. She got hammered on execution, honestly, a very low execution score, but beam has never, has never been her, her strongest event bars really haven't either, but she put together an incredible routine and yeah. So the internet is a little ticked about Michaela Skinner Now that she has to go home, she's not competing anymore. She did not make any event finals. Her fans are back up in arms that she should have been on the team so that she would have had the opportunity to earn a medal with the team. However, (laughs) um, she, if she had been on the team, what people fail to say is like, yes, her vault score was much higher than Grace's because Grace is the person whose spot she would have taken if she were on the team. But Grace's bar score was higher, and the difference is like three-tenths with Michaela over Grace. And having a person who can do all four events in a strong way is obviously going to be very important when we're looking at the number of mistakes that were made last night. So. I, I will defend Grace McCallum until the day I die. And also Jade Carey who earned that spot on her own. And yeah. So Michaela Skinner, it, I mean, it's unfortunate for her. You, if you haven't seen the primetime coverage yet, she does cry. It was hard to watch. I'm not the biggest Michaela Skinner fan because of some previous drama, which I won't go into here. I did cover it again at length in a previous episode, but yeah, she, she worked really hard to get to where she was and came up short. And, and the bottom line is, you know, that sucks for her. And I'm sorry, (laughs) you got to respect, you got to respect her work ethic, having come back from college, which is a significantly easier program back to elite and ending up making, making it to the Olympics. I I don't know why team USA elected to take another vault floor specialist when they already had one going. So yeah, let's move on. Yeah. Men's street skateboarding, <laughs> um, Japanese skater, Yudo Horigomi took the gold again. I, I think the Americans were expected to both medal. Jagger Eaton finished third for bronze, but again, you're going to see Japanese athletes do better at home than they would otherwise. So here's another example of that, (laughs) um, not to take away from how good he was or his expected performance. He was expected to do well, but gold was a bit of a surprise. I think in the 10 meter air rifle, William Shaner set an Olympic record to win gold there. Women's softball won against Australia. That was not a medal match. That's just in their pool. 
the U S beat Japan in water polo again in the, um, well in the pool, but <laughs> in their pool for, um, the first round of those Naomi, Naomi Osaka won her first match, which I'm so excited about. I, I love Naomi Osaka and like watching her light the cauldron on night one was one of my favorite moments of the opening ceremonies. I adore her Naomi for gold. She's one of very few non-American athletes that I'm like hardcore cheering for. (laughs) Um, I just, after the year she's had, after how open she's been about her mental health struggles, just really excited to watch her shine here and on her own terms because the tennis um, tour has not been kind to her and has not allowed her the space that she needs, but she was really excited to compete here. So I'm really excited to have her compete here and do well. U.S. tennis players did fairly well as well. Um, Tiafo, I don't actually know how to say any of these names because I'm not a tennis person, <laughs> but um, our two men's singles players both won their matches. Krajicek and Sandgren and Maddox Sands and Pegula won their doubles matches. Um, Coco Groff's replacement, unfortunately did lose Jennifer Brady as did the doubles team that Coco was supposed to be a part of, which was Melikar. And they ended up putting risk in for her. So unfortunately Coco's absence was felt and I hope she's doing well. She, I, I think when she originally made the announcement that she had COVID, she said that she would that she didn't have symptoms. And I hope that's still the case 